happiness is a choice. And no matter how you feel right now, know that you can feel a different way. And I think to understand happiness, you have to understand positivity. And when I define positivity, I say it's the ability to use your thoughts to change the way that you feel. And if you can remember that, that your thoughts are so powerful that you can use your thoughts to change the way that you feel, then you will start to understand that you can achieve ultimate happiness in every moment of your life. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 664. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so just tickled to be recording a podcast today. Uh, listeners, I don't know if you are on my list, if you've been receiving notifications, but I've been going live a lot more frequently. I think that was improper grammar, but you know that's what you get on the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation that you're going to be hearing today with our guest, Amy Dix from the Positive Life Company, because it sounds like you, Amy, are a creative soul like me. We have to figure out how to contain it, how to live positively into our purpose and do it without being overwhelmed. Yes, I love that so much, especially that last part. Do it without being overwhelmed. What brought you here? Because I mean, having my podcast be called Positive Productivity, I have to be totally honest, and I don't know if I've ever admitted this on the podcast before. <laughs> hey, there's a first time for everything. The name just hit me out of thin air. I didn't even know what the podcast looked like when I launched it. It took time to realize what it actually meant to me. And I think it was really a blessing that that name hit me because I've I've grown into it in more ways that I can count. But how did your journey take place? Yeah, so <laughs> I love that you just said that. And sometimes it's a beautiful thing how that happens. You know, I think if I look back into my childhood, positivity has always been a piece of who I was, who I am, and the way that my parents raised me. And it was really through my mom's death that I realized the importance of positivity and all the ways that this woman was like this insanely positive person, even though she had a lot of like trials and tribulations through her life. And so it really brought to light like this whole you know, I would say like positive movement, like this whole positive movement and saying, okay, wow, if she handled life so gracefully, how can we all do that? You know, and how can we really look at positivity as a means to happiness? And that's what it really boils down to for me is using positivity as a way to get to the ultimate goal in life, which I believe is happiness. I could give your parents a huge hug. I could give your mom a huge hug, like if she were still around, because yeah. that is not what I grew up in. And ah. full disclosure, I don't know if my mother listens to the podcast. If she does, then I will surely hear about this. <laughs> but it there was a there was a great cloud over mm -hmm. my mom's house. And it wasn't until I was twenty nine 
that I realized I had a choice. I could walk around with this cloud over my head, and I'm 40 now. I could walk around with this cloud over my head all the time, or I could choose to live a positive life, to be happy, to make my life what I wanted it to be. I think one of the words that you said is so critical in as the listeners kind of understand what you said, which is that it's a choice, right? And a lot of times I will, and through my speaking, I'll say, you know, happiness is a choice. It's a choice that we get to make. Not a choice that we have to make, but a choice that we get to make every single day. And I was in conversation with this with somebody else and who was, you know, going back and forth saying, well, I don't believe that it is a choice. And I, Amy Dix, <laughs> deeply believe that it is a choice. And so I love that you just said that because I think that that is so important. Like you recognized it and then you made the choice to not, not to have that cloud over your head at all times, you know? And so that's so important. And I think that uh, people can relate to everything that you just said and say, you know, maybe they're in a similar situation, but they can choose an alternate path. Amen. <laughs> I've had heated debates. With, well, maybe heated is too strong of a word, but I've had debates, including with my stepdaughter. And I need to preface this by saying that until she lived with us for a short period of time and was going through severe anxiety while she was here, I had never experienced anxiety in my life. Mm. But it was, I don't know how, I, well, I know how. I went through a period of intense sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. I was pleasing everybody except for, or, yeah, except for myself. I was working 20 to 22 hours a day. And sleep deprivation has wicked side effects. And I went, I spiraled into my own period of anxiety and depression. But even through that, I realized I had a choice. Unfortunately, one of those choices was also not to share with my husband what I was experiencing because I didn't want him to feel like the anxiety and, and depression was his fault, which it absolutely wasn't. But I still had a choice of whether I smiled every day, whether I decided to share my depression with others. And in the outlook I had, I have to also say that the the depression came from feeling like I was not enough. It was a not enoughness, which I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs feel mm -hmm. at some point in their journey. Why aren't I as far as <laughs> list off any number of entrepreneurs that we can see on the internet? And if we stay in that not enoughness instead of realizing just how awesome we are, then that's a dirty, rotten hole to dig out of. Yeah, and I think it is important to verbalize it, you know, and find that person that you can verbalize it to and have a little bit of emotional intelligence around it. Holding things in just is not a healthy way to deal with that. And, you know, I, I say a lot of times that if, if you feel sad, it's okay to feel sad. You know, I, I think that that when people hear oh, the Positive Productivity Podcast for the Positive Life Company. Oh, Kim and Amy, they're just those, you know, bubbly, yay, you know, and that can be unrealistic to some people, but that's not it. That doesn't mean that we don't get sad. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we don't feel negative thoughts. It just means that we work 
to not allow those thoughts to linger on for too long. Thank you so much for saying that. Just a few days ago, I'm in a transition right now in my business where I'm working out of a business relationship with a longtime client. And just a few days ago, I received word that they just will not be paying any future invoices, which has its own, like, (laughs) it's BS. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) But in that moment, and it was a Friday afternoon when I got this email, I realized I had a choice. I can get hung up in this and I can write all the four-letter words that are in my head right now in an email back expressing just how tasteless and disgusting I think they are. Now I just put it in a podcast, but I don't think they listen. Or, (laughs) Or I can focus on being the best version of me and what I was already transitioning my business into being. Mm Mm-hmm the best version of me. And listeners, you know that I've had bad days, but it's how we've decided to tackle those bad days that has gotten me through. I mean, (laughs) I've shared the story a few times. I'll share a few more. I'm sure we had our water turned off because we were going through a period of financial turbulence. And on that day, it snowed. So my husband told the kids, the older kids, you can go pee. They're boys. I don't know about you, Amy, but when I was little, I used to wish I was a boy so I could go write my name of in the course. winter. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to pee. Yep. And he's like, you can go write your name in the snow, but on your way back in, pick up some white snow and put it in the toilet so mom can go pee. <laughs> you know, and it made us all laugh because, yeah. you know, and are those necessarily the stories that I want shared around the Thanksgiving table someday when I've got all the in-laws and grandkids? I don't know, but I want my kids to be able to laugh at them and know that it wasn't all poop. Yeah. I mean, that's such a funny and cool example though, because some people would take that and oh my gosh, like, can you believe that we had our water shut off and it's snowing and it's cold and, you know, there couldn't have been a worse time for this to happen, right? Like you can just hear some people saying that. And instead you guys try to make light of the situation. And I think that's awesome. Well, I admitted a couple months ago that the water was actually turned off again. This time it was because we forgot to pay the bill. I live in a small town in Ohio, but I will find any excuse not to go to like downtown in my town to pay yeah. the water bill. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you full out what the real excuse is. I drive a big old conversion van. Yeah. And parking in front of the city building is you stick out into the street and I hate <laughs> backing up the van. And it's the same with the post office. So number one, I won't go down there and pay it in person. I won't ask my husband to because that means he leaves the younger kids here with me and I'm trying to work. And I won't go to the post office to buy stamps. So let's just (laughs) the water bill didn't get paid. So the water went off and we paid it immediately. We had the funds and we hear the toilet start running again. We're like, oh, that was fast. My husband goes and he turns on the kitchen sink and it goes and sprays all over him. And it was awesome. We started laughing, you know, you know, compared to two years ago, this is just hilarious. I mean, it would have been hilarious two years ago, but we underestimate, 
I think, well, I don't think, I know often we, we don't take value in enough in all the things that we do have, whether it be water, whether it be the ability to share our bloopers on the internet, like water. <laughs> I was thinking about it just this weekend that I'm very fortunate that I don't live in Africa, you know, in some secluded tribe where I have to cross the desert with baskets on my shoulder to get my right. water. I mean, right. I, I'm a klutz. Yeah, I'm a klutz. Forget the fact of the baskets on the shoulders. I'm a klutz. I can't even walk across my house without running into something. Right. <laughs> I don't know how anybody would have water if it relied on me and getting it that way. Yeah. But it's all about perspective. It really is. You know, I have to ask this question because it's just like, <laughs> I'm just dying to know. It's 2020. You can't pay that bill online? You can, but this... Okay. <laughs> There's this part of me that is also resistant to the 15% like credit card processing fee that they put on top. 15%? Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, that seems crazy. Yeah. So like yesterday I paid it. and But what's more ridiculous is that when I don't pay it on time, they slap a $30, $35 late fee oh. on it. So it's like, Kim, just get your priorities straight. So I was actually thinking about it in the shower this morning. While appreciating the water, I've yes. a lot about <laughs> mindfulness. Yes, so I'm going to appreciate the water and the way the soap smells and all that. I was like, you know, I have these whiteboard calendar things on my wall, and I really should just put the bill due dates on there. My husband, God love him, he does the cooking, he does the grocery shopping, he takes care of the twins who are going to kindergarten next year during the day, but the guy does not know how to log in to pay the utility bills, so I need to do that. Ah. You know, so it's just just the forgetfulness, and thank you for reminding me, we could just set it up on auto pay again and then avoid all of that. New Year's resolution, my only one, set up bills on auto pay. I mean, it's really funny to me. My boyfriend is the same way. He has nothing on auto pay. It drives me crazy because he's always like, oh, I got to remember to pay. Oh, I got to remember. Oh, I got to remember. I'm like, but the thing is, is you don't have to remember if you just like take the time to set it up once and then you can kind of move on with your life. <laughs> but he's, he doesn't do it. He won't do it for whatever reason. I don't know why, but. Well, we hadn't done it for the longest time because the way that I grew up and the way that my husband grew up also was if there was money in the account, it got spent right away. And it's taken us, we've been together for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. It took us a good nine years to get over that spending habit. Mm -hmm. Just because there is money in the account doesn't mean that we're free, number one, to spend it Mm -hmm. or that we need to spend it. Right. Right away when we met, he lost his job and then his his car creditor like dinged his bank account three times to take out one payment. So he's very resistant to setting up things on auto pay. Ah, see, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. But if we just change our mindset a little bit to number one, just because the money's in the account, in the account doesn't mean somebody else is going to spend it. And number two that we can actually save, then that would get over this whole thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Have you heard of the book Profit First? Uh, I have heard of it. I have not read it, but I am familiar with it. I read that book in 2019 and it was life-changing. Oh, no kidding. 
Yeah. I mean, there's so many, so many of my clients, I have to say, have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on courses and never even logged into them. And I, I would have to say that during the seven, eight years of my business so far, I have invested in three courses and each of those times I shouldn't have invested, but the money well, I want to get over the shutters. Yeah, the money was in my account. Does that mean it was eligible to be spent on that? No, but I saw it in the account. And I I know from working with my clients that they face the same struggle. Just because the money's there doesn't mean it's free to spend. What about paying ourselves first for a change? Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just I was just talking, we had a client that we were working with and I just talked to him the other day and he said he sold his business. He had merged it with another company that so that bought his business. And he said, you know, I was just sick of not taking a paycheck. And he very much took care of his employees. You know, this was not like a solopreneur venture. This was he had a small small business that was doing, you know, I, I would say fairly well, except when the bills had to be paid, he wasn't, you know? And so it was just an interesting conversation with him on that. It sounds like my business. I had team members in 2017, 2018 who got paid more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that though. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so we've funny. all been there at one point in time. I was actually, I went into my G suite administrative area this mm-hmm. past weekend and realized yeah. I'm paying for nine email accounts. Oh, this happened to me one time too. Yes. And you're like, like, why? Because you forget to turn them off. Yeah. I was like, there was a team member who left the company five months ago and I held on to the account because I thought I might need to get there. And I'll tell you that I only logged in once. Yeah. Maybe but I forgot to shut that one off along with like five others. Yeah. It was like happy slash get rid of them. Yes. And doesn't it feel so good to just like cleanse yourself of like that extra baggage, even though you didn't even know that it was there just still feels so good. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I was actually, I was working from my bed, which I hate to admit that I do a lot. Mm -hmm. I was working from my bed and my husband (laughs) Here's another thing I don't know that I've ever admitted on the podcast. My husband moved his desk out of our office, our office, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. First reason was because the kids, the teenagers also had their desks out here and Mm -hmm. it was driving him crazy because he couldn't hear whatever YouTube show he was listening to over them yelling through Discord. And number two, just about every time I was podcasting, This show is full of admissions. My husband and I both vape. We were smokers forever. Yeah. We gave up smoking, but vaping is still around. But I don't vape while I'm podcasting, but he would keep on vaping during (laughs) during Uh, the recording. So you could hear in the background. Oh, funny. I was back there working just because it's so easy to forget that my husband's in the house when we're on opposite sides of the house. It sounds like we're in a mansion. We're most definitely not. We're in our little, you know, cute little cottage that's stuffed to the brim. But I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I just realized I'm paying double. And he's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, I'm paying $50 a month that I don't need to be. 
He's like, that's like a mortgage payment. <laughs> like, yep, I just recovered one of our mortgage payments, babe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, this is so funny that you brought this up. And I was, because I was just talking this morning with someone too. And he said, I have no idea what I spend my money on. He goes, I have no idea. He goes, I just don't watch it. And somebody could be like taking 10, 20, $50 out of my account every single month. I could be hacked and I don't even know it. You know, so I think the first thing is like awareness. You got to kind of bring yourself some awareness of what's going on within your business. But, uh, you know, we're all just so busy doing what we want to do, what excites us. And sometimes those little things, I mean, that is not exciting to go in and check, you know, your email accounts. Or I just recently deleted a bunch of Adobe stuff that I don't need, that I thought I did and was fun for a while. You know, some of the more create like uh, InDesign and that kind of stuff. And, and I thought, what am I doing? I have a graphic designer. Like I don't need to be doing this kind of stuff. So there was a few hundred dollars there within the business that easily I was able to get rid of, but it just took an awareness to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I've been there. I will fully admit that I have Adobe and I have Canva, but in the back of my mind, right. and this could be, this could sound non-positive, but there's always been that, what if, what if I want to update something on the weekend? And exactly. I refuse to contact right. my team over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anybody contacting me on the weekend. Right. So, you know, just leave me the heck alone. I'm, but I held on to it for that long just for that. We've all done it. We have all done it. I think as the listeners are listening and you know, anyone who's an entrepreneur or had their own business, they're all laughing right now because we've all done it. Oh, Amy, this is such a horrible admission, but you've already heard me talk about the water bill in the post office. I was introduced to an accountant who is in my town, but I was introduced to this accountant from somebody who lives across the country. And we hopped on a Zoom call <laughs> to chat with each other, even though he's, his office is four minutes from my house. I was just in between calls and I was like, he's like, oh, we can do Zoom. And it just felt so silly to do a Zoom call with somebody who's in my town. Yeah. But for years, I have put off hiring a bookkeeper or an accountant in my business uh -huh. because I had a call with one accountant who quoted me something like $800 a month. Mm -hmm. And then this guy comes back and he's like, oh yeah, it's, it's 115 a month to keep your books up. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what? Right. Like, like why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> I thought that's what the price was going to be from anybody who I, I got. And I couldn't justify at any point then paying more for an accountant in my business, which I know is silly because as the business grows, it will definitely become more than I pay for my monthly mortgage. But up till now, I haven't been able to justify that. And then he comes back and he says $115. <laughs> he said, wait a second, should there be an extra zero at the end? Yeah. He's like, no, he's like, you're using QuickBooks. It's all in there. It's pulling from your accounts. You don't have any receipts. This is going to be easy peasy. And I'm like, okay, where can I send your money? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> How do you keep from being busy, being busy in your business? 
How do you keep from being busy? Like you personally, (laughs) like how do you keep your focus? So you're focusing on what's important versus all the other random stuff. Yeah. So I block time out. I've learned that this is the best way for me to do this. So I will take all the tasks that I have and then I actually schedule them by category. So if I'm working on something, for example, for the Positive Life Company, let's just say everything that's on my task list for the Positive Life Company happens from whatever time I say for that day, 9 to 11. So I got a couple of different things going on. If I'm working for something on my other company, then I will only work on those things from, let's say, noon to 4. So otherwise, what happens is I feel like I just kind of go astray. You know, I just kind of like kind of look at my email. What kind of should I do next? Oh, yeah, I got to do this. Maybe I'll do this one. So I tend to do that. I also will block time based on, you know, I say category, but like brain power. So if it's like accounting, we'll just do that. Like, so if it's, you know, updating the books, I'll do that in the morning because I hate doing that. And it requires a different side of my brain than my creativity. So anything creative then gets done during my high creativity peaks, which tend to be the evenings and late afternoon, like just after lunch for me. That's not uh, what it is for everyone. Wait, did you say your creative peaks are like afternoon and evening? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you're one of the first that I've heard say that because my creative peaks are first thing in the morning or right before I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah. So, and then it's like, you know, you have, it sounds like at least I don't, are the kids still home? They're still home. They're teenagers now. I have twin five-year-olds, a six-year-old, a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old. Oh boy. Yeah. So, you know, if your creative time is just before you go to bed, it's like, you might feel creative then, but you know, you might have some other things that you have to have to be doing (laughs) like with your family at that point. For me, you know, I can, I'll work whenever. Maybe you still do. I don't know, but I'll just work whenever because I don't need to just do like eight to five. You know, I don't have like soccer practice or anything like that in the evenings that then consume my time. So a lot of times I'm not a good morning person and never have been. Man, I'm so jealous of everyone who is, you know, but uh, I'm just not. I never have been. And so my workday tends to. I mean, it'll start at nine, but it's pretty heavy in the evening. Like that's when I really would just want to sit down and just crank things out for the business is in the evening. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if they may be exhausted by then or they, it just might might not be a feasible time for them then. But uh, that's how I keep from just being like just a busy body, you know, and just, accomplishing just a little bit here, a little bit there, because productivity is a big piece of being successful in my Mm -hmm. mind. Well, this is going to make me sound like a crappy soccer mom, but there is nothing (laughs) I detest more than soccer practices during the the warm months when they're outside. Mm -hmm. Because winter soccer practices are at a facility that has Wi-Fi. Oh, see, this is so funny. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) So I'm like, I tell my husband, I'm like, I'll see you in about an hour and a half. And I use the excuse, although it is a good one. Like, 
it's a town away. Is it going to take me 20 minutes to drive down there, 20 minutes to drive back, 20 minutes to drive back down there, you know, 20 minutes back, you get the picture. Right. So by the time I get back home, if I were to come home while he's at practice, I'll only have 20 minutes. And that's right. just unnecessary gas, especially when you're driving a big old van like I am. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay there. So, you know, I'll see you in about an hour and a half. He's like, okay. And I totally love that because being outside of my house, which doesn't happen nearly enough as or nearly as much as I think it should. We just, by the way, got our first Starbucks, our first actual Starbucks maybe uh, a year or two ago. Yeah. The creative juices just start flowing. But my husband is a video game designer. I was a gamer when we met. I'm still a gamer. And I give myself incentive. If I accomplish this, this, and this today, then I can play tonight and I play with my family. That's great. Well, and it's family time too at that point, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, I have, since 2016, I have given myself my sleep back. I wake up after six hours of sleep wide awake. I know some people need eight. Some people can get by on two. Six to seven is my is my sweet spot. So like last night I crashed and I admit I totally out, all out crashed at 11 o'clock. I think my husband had to clean up my bed office. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was up at five o'clock wide awake, which wow. does not happen very often. So my, as far as me being more visible lately, especially with all these lives, I've been using that early wake up time as soon as the teenagers are on the bus and gone and I have the bathroom, you know, get in, take my shower, put the makeup on because by three o'clock in the afternoon, I don't look like I showered that morning. So I, (laughs) you know, I shower, put my makeup on, go live. Yeah. Yeah, No. Yeah. I might still be wide awake, but I definitely don't look like it. That's so good. That's so funny. I Again, I mean, I'm so jealous of that. I've tried to do that and I've tried to be that person and I'm just not. And I think I fought it for so long, especially when I was completely 100% out on my own as an entrepreneur running a business. You know, I thought this is the way to do it. And it just it kind of backfired on me, really. I just felt exhausted. I had brain fog all day. So whatever it is about my body, whatever it is about my DNA, I don't know, but uh, that makes me very jealous. I also am a siesta taker. So mm-hmm. I take a nap almost every single day. Now I'm 37, 38. Oh my gosh. See, when you get to a certain age, you actually have to calculate it. But uh, anyway. I totally get it. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, 80 and I'm taking, you know, my daily nap or whatever. But uh, I really, it changes my whole perspective for the rest of the day. And I think some people hear that and they think lazy, but really I'm a really good 15 minute nap taker. I will fall asleep immediately within a couple minutes and my body wakes up between 10 and 20 minutes every single time. And that's all I need. I am a new person. I mean, I sleep hard during those 15 minutes. And so, you know, that 
also is something that like I have to incorporate into my day because <laughs> if I don't get my siesta, I don't have that, you know, that creative time that I was talking about in the evening, then I'm done. I, I can't do it. I'm done. So that 15 minutes really almost gives me like another day in productivity. I love that you said that because I am the same way. Oh, I, I love it. I can nap for 10 to 20 minutes and be completely refreshed when I yes. wake up. Yes. Now, I can't believe I'm admitting this to my husband and I have joked that once the twins go to school, you know, there will be afternoon nap time. Use your imagination, folks. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. But I'm, <laughs> I don't want that. Like we've joked about it, but I actually really do love my 10 to 20 minute sleep. Right. <laughs> Priority. <laughs> yes. Sleep nap. I mean, I've already had yeah. to tell him, do not wake me up when you come to bed at three to five o'clock in the morning because I will not be in the mood. Yeah. (laughs) But I really enjoy my three to five or my 10 to 20 minute nap then. And there's those days when I accidentally sleep long and he's like, oh, I I just let you sleep and I wake up three hours later and then I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. I can't sleep that long. I do want to say though, I gave up alcohol about a month and a half ago. Uh Uh-huh which I can't believe I I did that. And then I gave up soda about three weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. I, oh, I'm still heavily drinking my coffee, but I'm not compensating for the lack of soda that way. But I found that I'm not hitting the mid-afternoon slump like I was before. That's really interesting. I found last year I didn't drink for 30 days. And it was just kind of like my own little challenge. And I did notice that I slept better at night. And I have a sleep app. So I don't know if you use a sleep app, but I use, um, there's an app called Sleep Cycle. And on there, like you can even say like certain things happen to you during the day and then it'll kind of collect that data. So you can say like, I drank caffeine afternoon or I drank alcohol tonight or, you know, whatever you can put in your own little thing. I would put in there sometimes like if I was staying at my boyfriend's or if he was staying with me, like, do I sleep better alone (laughs) or do I sleep better with somebody else in the bed? You know, so I put in all these kind of like, triggers. And I did find through that data that I slept better, better quality sleep when I wasn't drinking. Even like on days, like let's just compare like a day of not drinking prior to my 30-day dry period or a day not drinking in my 30-day dry period. So I think it just like it helped just overall. I think we all know like if you go out and kind of party all night, of course you're not going to get that you know, go to sleep. That makes a lot of sense. But comparatively speaking to dry days within and outside of the dry period, uh, I still slept better. Mm. So I think that that's, first of all, good for you. That's awesome. I love that. And, you know, sleep is so important. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I feel like, I feel like people are going to think that I just like sleep my life away. I really don't. I'm not like a lazy person, but I do feel like it is just like a one really important aspect in my life. <laughs> Well, you're the one who went to the gym this morning. I did not go to the gym. So I want to, I mean, well, we were in our pre-chat, we were talking about, you know, going on video versus not going on video. Right. So I have to give you props for that because (laughs) you're doing that. I'm not, I'm staring at my recumbent exercise bike, which is again, (laughs) screaming at me. So 
I mean, right now it's getting more use off the cats who climb all over it. I also noticed that when I am stressed, and this is going to sound really funny, but when I get really stressed, my ears itch. Okay. And if I don't do something to relieve the stress before I go to sleep, namely journaling, like if I don't get my thoughts out before I go Uh to bed at night, then my husband has even noticed that I wake up all night long with itchy ears. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like a, no joke. It's like a dog itching its ears. I mean, these are ferocious itches. And Saturday morning, because I got that email from the client on Friday, Saturday morning, he was just grouchy. I was like, are you okay? He's like, you kept on, well, you were snoring, number one. (laughs) He's like, and I think the snoring made your ears itch because you kept on like jumping up and itching your ears and then you would go back to sleep. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you to snore already. But he's like, I think think the snoring was making your ears itch. I am totally one of those people that when I'm exhausted or when I'm stressed, I think I snore. Like I woke myself up on the red eye snoring and then I go around and try to blame it on somebody else. But no, it's totally me. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> like, I don't want to take the red eye anymore just because I don't want to wake myself. Like, I don't want to snore in front of people. Yeah, that is so funny. I do not snore. And my app even tells me that I do not snore. But my boyfriend does every now and again. He's not not all the time. But, <laughs> you know, when we first started dating, he was like, honey, just tell me, you know, wake me up, tell me to roll over or whatever. And I go... I know, but it's so cute because you're actually sleeping. And I think that that's just like so precious, like that you're in such a deep sleep, you know, that I don't want to disturb that. And I thought, and like we laughed about it in in the beginning of our relationship, like being like, okay, that's that's not going to last, you know, like give it, give the relationship some time and you're not going to think snoring is that cute anymore. But I tell you what, we are, uh, let's see, two years into this thing, and I still have a hard time waking him up or telling him to roll over because I just think in my mind like, oh, but you're sleeping. I don't want to disrupt that. That's so cute. (laughs) We totally had that conversation too because he snores as well. Yeah. He also brought with him a fan, like an ugly oscillating fan that he has to sleep with yeah and the two of them have become like the white noise that makes magical sleep yeah see there you go yep like when i go to a hotel and it's absolutely quiet yep i have to turn the tv on now to have the white noise going in the background when i'm sleeping yeah see that's the positive thinking right there Mm So what does the Positive Life Company do? Like, What do you do? And I also want to ask, I told you I, I can join questions. Well, if you want to share any more, please go ahead and do so. But do you have chronic idea disorder? Because I did hear you talk about another business. Oh, okay. So a couple of things. Yes. <laughs> yes on the uh, second question. And we can expand on that. And Yeah, the Positive Life Company, what we do is, I mean, I like to say like we fight for people's happiness. Like that is our mission is to fight for people's happiness and to make people better people and to build better businesses for the better so that they can in turn build better people. In a nutshell, that's what the Positive Life Company 
does. And again, it was really just started from this really idea of like, is happiness, is positivity, is is there science behind it? Is is it in our DNA? You know, where does it all kind of stem from? And how can we take that research and knowledge and then apply it in our own lives and help people apply it in their lives? So that's the Positive Life Company. And I absolutely have, what did you call it? Idea? Chronic Idea Disorder. That's a phrase that I coined like in 2015. Chronic Idea Disorder. I absolutely love it. Yes. (laughs) You know, and if I look back at my life, I've always been like that. Even when I worked for, you know, I say corporate America, I hate using that term because I think it has a negative connotation to it and I don't think it should, but we'll just use it because everyone knows. But when I was working in, in corporate America, it was never the only thing I did. I always had side gigs and side businesses and side ventures. And even when I left that company, I had my other company, which is a digital marketing, marketing company, but then, you know, and then I have the positive life company, but then, you know, I also work with my publisher and helping authors write books and I do some other things too. And right now with my boyfriend, we're doing some other stuff with some online consumer product stuff. I mean, my problem is I have so many ideas and just not enough time to execute them. And sometimes I wonder, you know, I have this conversation a lot, I guess, maybe a lot of people do when they have chronic idea syndrome. Is that what it was? Did I get that right? Close enough. Okay, well, we'll go with it. Is that, you know, if you just focus on one thing, then maybe that thing could be so much bigger. But really, I don't know that that works for everybody. And I don't It doesn't work for me. I get bored. Yes, absolutely. I am right there with you. I just don't think it would work for me. And so the idea that, you know, we're kind of in this like freelance gig entrepreneur kind of economy and that you can do multiple things for somebody like you and somebody like me, it is awesome. Mm. Because to have to focus on one thing is absolutely very boring for me as well. And when I had my other position in corporate America, I couldn't have been more bored. And so I just started, I kind of, I I used to joke about it with this one person who also worked within the organization, but I basically did everything I could to automate my job so that I wouldn't really have to do anything. And it was all automated as opposed to me having to manually run reports or report out about this or that, or, you know, whatever, anything that I could automate, I would automate. And then I had all this time on my hands. And then he he would always joke with me and go, do you even do anything during the day? I'm like, yeah, I do. I do like my own projects. <laughs> you know, I like, I started creating things that I wanted to see as a change within the organization because I had time to do that because I had taken my job and I had completely made it from like an eight hour a day job, let's say to like a two hour a day job. Mm. So I had six hours a day for me to do the creative things that I wanted to do. And so if I look back at, you know, my career or the different jobs that I've held, and I really only had the one in corporate America, I was with them for 10 years. I did different things with them and then my own stuff. I've always been like that. I've always had to have something else going on. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. 
Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. My last corporate America job, Mm -hmm. I also had my my first major disaster small business. I was not working on ways to improve that company while I was not doing their work. Like (laughs) let's just put it that way. It was an e-commerce shop. I was totally listing new products in between my my other work. Right. Considering you and I, I mean, we're a couple of years off, but I was in college from 97 to 2001 and I went to school in Chicago and my freshman dorm and I even think the sophomore dorm, we did not have cable. So we got one station and it was the WB and at that time Felicity started playing. Did you ever watch that back then? No. Okay. So it was Dawson's Creek started and then Felicity, but there was a character in Felicity who was a serial entrepreneur. And at that point, it didn't mean as much to me, but I loved the show. So with my Hulu subscription, I've watched it a few more times. Drives my family crazy. They're like, mom, how old are you? Like, shut up. (laughs) I will watch the 20s. I will live vicariously through the stars of a WB show. But he has... all of these notebooks where he keeps all of his entrepreneurial ideas. I'm like, yes, Greg Gunberg's Grunberg's character has chronic idea disorder too. And it's awesome. I'm yes. Not, yeah. Idea disorder. I love yep. it. Yep. CID. Well, <laughs> absolutely. I'm writing the book on it, but I have it. So it makes writing the book on it a little bit tougher, but I'm finally. Ah, because, that's like really yeah. funny. There's yes. like such an oxymoron with that. That's so funny. <laughs> It's totally not appropriate, but this year I am much more about being me and sharing my voice, like the real Kim, instead of what I think people want to hear or what they expect to hear. Right. I had a realization last year that chronic idea disorder is like bad sex. You can go for it all you want, but you're never going to get there unless you like draw the map and, and, you know, lay out the plan. Yes. I love that. Yes. Yes. And for years I would have never shared that because I would have been afraid of judgment. But I we have to live into ourself and be true to ourselves and then magical things happen. You know, that's I mean, as as great and funny as that kind of example was, and I do think that it's it was a brilliant example, is it's so true and it's you know, sometimes I think the word authentic is overused, but in, I just kind of posted about this the other day and I was like, man, I'm just going to, I think I'm going to write a post or something or a blog post or something about this or do a course or something, but how to have an authentic business in an inauthentic world. And you know, there's so much going on with social media and society, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that it makes what we perceive 
to be very inauthentic a lot of times. And how can we get past that and still stay true to like who we are and not put so much weight on what we think other people want to hear? You know, we were talking about before we started recording, we were just talking about podcasts in general and about, you know, coming up with content and all this other stuff. And I had said, you know, sometimes I find it hard and, and you had said too, you know, just to come up with content on, on your own. Like if you're not interviewing somebody, like what are you going to talk about? And one of the things that I struggle with is I probably actually have the content quite honestly. And so do you. It's just like we second guess and go, but that's not good enough. But that's not what they're going to want to hear. They're not going to want to hear about that this week. I need us to come up with something better, right? Like it's really out of our own head. Absolutely. And that that was actually part of why I went live on YouTube this morning. I was sharing the exhaustion of big dreams because I think a lot of people are afraid to share how just downright exhausting big dreams are. And my my 14-year-old said to me on the way home from uh, soccer last night, well, I apologize to him, number one, because I don't go to the out-of-state tournaments his dad takes care of that and his dad is my first husband. Mm-hmm. He's like, mom, I totally understand. He's like, but when you're making hundreds of millions of dollars in your business, do you think you could buy me a house? <laughs> and I sighed big because just knowing what it's taken to get to here, I hate to admit it, but my first thought was not about, oh, that would be awesome to be making that much. It was of Oh my gosh, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) All the things I have to do to get there first. Yeah, I mean, look at Jeff Bezos and Amazon. I mean, I wonder, going from a garage to where he's at now. Right. What did he have to sacrifice? Exactly. I would love to know how much sleep he gave up. (laughs) I've had clients who make, you know, over seven figures a year. And they turn around and they tell their tribe that they work three days a week. And it makes me gag a little because I know, because I'm still working with them, that no, they're not. Yeah. I'm getting texts from them and and follow-ups like seven days a week. Like I've decided I'm not, I don't want to work with people who are not authentic anymore because it's not helping anybody when you're lying. Absolutely. And that, I wish I could pull up this post. It's actually a post that I did like a year or two ago, and then it showed up on my memories on Facebook here a couple days ago. But that is awesome and so true. And that's a, that is exactly what I said too. Like, you're not doing yourself any favors, but more importantly, you're not doing like your clientele or those that you serve any favors. Like, you are at that point, you're just straight up lying to them. And people are buying into it and they and then they don't understand why you can't help them get to where you say you can help them get to because it's not the truth, right? And one of the things that I see a lot, and you might see this too being in the speaking world, is people who are, are say they're a keynote speaker, but yet they've never delivered a keynote. It's like you can't say that. Or people who say that they're an author, but yet they don't have a published book. Like it's just, there's just this, this, I don't know, this need, I think, for people to feel like they have to be a certain way and they have to portray themselves a certain way or they're not going to get enough business or they're not going to be viewed the way that they feel like they need to be viewed. But I think when we become a little vulnerable and become very, very truthful and show everything that it is to show about who we are and how we feel, that's when 
everything else changes. Like for the good, that's when you can inspire other people. That's when you're going to get the clients that are meant to work with you. But if you portray this other image, you're not even attracting the right clients for you. And, you know, that's really important, I think. Mm-mm. Wow. I so appreciate what you just said. And it, it's crazy because there's somebody that I met while speaking who we were in a mastermind and we were asked to share our goals for the next six months. And the person said, well, they can't go over six figures a month. So they're going to try to stay right underneath that. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then the person wanted to know about hiring me to build a funnel for them. And when I said how much it was, they said they didn't have that. And I questioned it a little bit, you know, but I just let it go because I don't like to think negatively of people. Mm-hmm. And I also know that, you know, really thriving businesses also can have a very high like overhead. So whatever. He might have a large team that I know about. I didn't mean to put a gender on there, but I just did. (laughs) Uh, So then I found out that we're going to be speaking at an event, at the same event in a couple months. So I reached out and was like, so awesome to see that you're going to be speaking there. And I didn't see anything about me speaking there. And it was all boasting. And I went back and I said, oh yeah, I'm going to be speaking there too. And it was like, you know, like, now I'm not so special. Uh, yeah. You're not going to feel enough if you always project, like if if you have to overinflate yourself. This is how I'm beginning to feel about this person too. They've felt the need to overinflate themselves to make themselves get bigger, but you're not going to make yourself get bigger when people realize that you're full of BS. Right. Right. And people don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people don't care. And I think about this a lot too when I see people post on social media or wherever, but when it becomes all about them, it's like, but you can still tell your story in a way that inspires and connects with people and still show that, you know, you were on whatever stage if that's important to you. But when you start with, you know, I was on this big stage, yay me, who cares? You know, but if you say I was able to impact or not even that, like the copywriter in me wants to say something like, you know, 2,000 lives were impacted today or 2,000 lives became just a little bit happier today. That's a lot different than I spoke on a stage to 10,000 people go me. You know, I mean, it's just a subtle difference in how you spread the message. And if you're really doing what you care about and you're really doing what you're meant to do, you don't care that you're on a stage. And I'm just using the speaking thing as an example, but you don't care that you're on a stage with 2000 people in the audience. What you care about is that those 2000 people may just be a little bit happier if that's your message or may just be able to understand how to automate their marketing, even if just in a little bit, you know, better way. Like that's what you care about. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate this whole part of our conversation. I was on Instagram maybe a month ago and I saw that one of my peers had posted a picture of them flying first class. 
And my initial thought was, oh, wow, that's awesome. They got upgraded because I would totally post me in first class if I had gotten a free upgrade. Right, right. <laughs> but it became a post about how they had been on this show and this show and this show and this stage and this stage and this stage, exactly what you were just talking about in not a good way. Yeah. It's like, okay, and you are helping your community how? Because it feels like you're just spreading the not enoughness to them. So thank you. Yeah. Amy, where can listeners find you online, connect and get to know more about you? Yeah, the positive life code.com, the positive life co.com, and any of the social networks. I love connecting with anyone and everyone. So I never really shy away from any of those Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your social <laughs> network of choice is, uh, holler and say hello. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That is my, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm everywhere, but I'm trying to figure out which ones are working the best. <laughs> well, right? Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, I could have a whole conversation on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we should. We'll have a whole nother conversation about that. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with the listeners? You know, I just think that to remember, we've already, we touched on a little bit, but that happiness is a choice. And no matter how you feel right now, know that you can feel a different way. And I think to understand happiness, you have to understand positivity. And when I define positivity, I say it's the ability to use your thoughts to change the way that you feel. And if you can remember that, that your thoughts are so powerful that you can use your thoughts to change the way that you feel, then you will start to understand that you can achieve ultimate happiness in every moment of your life. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 